Hello and welcome to this podcast from the Generation Gap Show here on Radio Verulam 92.6 FM in St Albans. We hope you enjoy it. This is the Generation Gap presented by me, Claudia, and him, Clive. Hello. In this programme, we are going to explore differences and similarities of being a teenager now and in past generations. I am a 21st century girl and Clive is a baby boomer. That is a teenager in the late 60s and early 70s. What are the differences and similarities in the way that we live our lives? We are going to try and find out. This is the Generation Gap Show on 92.6 FM Radio Verulam. Yeah, hello, good evening and welcome to the Generation Gap show here. And uh, tonight, it's not actually Claudia, I have somebody new here, a guest millennial. It's Gabrielle. Gabrielle, isn't it? Sorry. Yeah, Gabrielle. Um, So I'm Gabrielle, I'm 21 years old and I go to Hertfordshire University where I study journalism and creative writing. Okay, thanks for that. Now, um, actually, you're one of a number of students we've got here from the university at the moment doing work experience in radio. So how are you finding it? So far, so good. I mean, it's early days. But it all seems very exciting. Great. Okay. well, that's good. And we'll we'll have a chat about you and uh, what you're doing and uh, what you're learning and how you're getting uh, how you're getting on and all these things a bit later. Now, uh, Gabrielle. um, Now, are you Gabby? Is that right? Yeah. Gabby. Should we call you Gabby? Okay. Right. One of your colleagues, um, one of the other students sort of kept calling you Gabby. So I thought, oh. I'll have to remember that. Um, So you're doing journalism, and I guess that covers all sorts of journalism, newspapers and magazines and so on. But you're now doing a bit about radio, funnily enough. Yeah, so I'm in my third year at the minute, and we did radio in second year. So we had a whole module dedicated to it, and we... um, Oh, I'm trying to think what we did. We did did some Vox Pops. Yes. So And we edited everything, so it was kind of like a one-man show when we we were doing the radio... um, module um we went out and interviewed some people but it was all sort of like all in Hatfield we didn't go further than that so Ooh, scary to go to further is yeah. it yeah I mean I mean obviously that's the sort of thing I'd expect you to do and I mean um if you're going to be a journalist you've got to go and approach people and speak to them anyway and uh, perhaps sit down with them and I think these days many journalists even if they're in newspapers actually record the interviews anyway yeah no I think they do and it's just a good way to have a backup isn't it and to verify everything that because you can take notes but you might miss out on things and it verifies what the person has said so you've got a backup if anyone accuses you of making things up and so forth yes because i was um interested a friend of mine who's a journalist a bit older than you and um, i was amazed to see that she was doing shorthand i didn't know anyone learned shorthand anymore did yeah. they teach you shorthand no not at hertfordshire but um so my first year of university which is probably about four years ago now I went to Bournemouth and I was there for about six weeks and they taught shorthand which was something I was quite interested in learning but it's it's quite difficult and then at Hertfordshire they don't teach it I don't think a lot of people require shorthand anymore maybe BBC's one of the only places that's still I don't know I mean I'm sure they don't really require it and it's it's sort of slightly strange I mean there used to be people called secretaries who were all women who used to work for men yeah. in offices and so on. Shorthand was the sort of, oh, take a note, Miss Jones, and expect you to write it out in shorthand and then type it out on a typewriter yeah. and all this old-fashioned stuff. 
Um, I mean, it's amazing how things have changed in sort of office environment like that. But I don't suppose anyone really requires shorthand anymore. It is, however, quite useful because I've seen people use it and obviously they can take notes on a little sort of piece of paper of a a long conversation. I think, how on earth do you... I have no idea what it is they're writing because I can't understand yeah. it. Anyway, so on the radio side, you, you basically learnt to do an interview and did you have to prepare the interview beforehand? You know, think what questions you're asking? Um, yes. So we had to pick a topic that we wanted to sort of discuss and then go out into the public and just find out their points of view. So it was more like just figuring out good open-ended questions that we could ask that weren't too invasive because I think my group, we did it about body image so it was knowing what we could ask that wouldn't make someone feel uncomfortable in answering. Yes. Yeah, so I think one of the questions we used was something about how body image is perceived in the media and, like, you know, on social media and public eyes so people didn't have to speak about their own experiences and more about what was going on around them and how they felt about that rather than having to use their own sort of perspective and how did you how do you feel about sort of approaching people in the street i think you're a bit nervous about it aren't you very nervous we got turned away a lot okay we i mean we we obviously do that quite a lot and one of the things which we found was that when we actually put these um we got these covers on our microphones you can see them because you're in the studio listeners you have to imagine this if you look at our web page you'll see pictures of them we have these very nice dark blue microphone covers with our logo on and we found that when, once we started approaching people with these, they actually were much more open to us because they recognised immediately who it was and what, where we come from. And so that's one little trick, which I guess the university won't have things no. like that as such. So we had all these wires and these microphones that had nothing on them, just walking up to people. And in Hatfield as well, it's really quiet over there. I don't think a lot of people get interviewed on the street, so they weren't very willing. But we, we had a few. A lot of university students were willing. Some of the older people in the public weren't so... So, you know, open. Yeah, I mean, well, you should have come to St Albans because yeah. it's not only us on the radio, but we have so many television people come here for all sorts of reasons. When there's reports on the high street and things, I've seen so many local TV crews come here and just stop people in the middle of the street. I was interviewed recently by somebody from an, another university doing a, a video um, thing on the street here. So they obviously just choose to come here. Yeah. So, as part of your work experience, we'll send you out on the street here for Radio Verulam then. I can't wait. <laughs> um, now, one of the things that you're, I should have asked you, of course, is you're presumably wanting to be a journalist. Um, I'm not. Um, so about halfway through my degree, I decided that I didn't want to go down the route of journalism and I want to join the Met Police. And so you are intending to apply to and join the, the Metropolitan Police. Um, I don't know how you do that. I mean, is it, is it something that you go in, you want to be a police constable? Is that how you start? Um, so you start as a PCSO. You go into a graduate scheme and you have training for about two years before you can go any further. So it's not something that I knew of when I was thinking about it. Um, but, you know, something I'm willing to try. I'm willing to give it a go. I think it's going to be quite intense. Because um, when you first start, you have a six weeks intense training course. And I don't know how I'm going to do or feel about that one. So is that the sort of thing where basically the six weeks is really putting you through lots of stuff and then actually after six weeks they might say, sorry, you're not up to it? I think so, yeah. Because, I mean, they don't want you to do the programme for two years and then sort of a year and a half into it realise actually you're not going to 
work out for us this isn't going to work because then they've wasted all that time and all those resources when they could have put it into someone else well, it's, it's wasting your time as well exactly. if, if you're not really up to it okay i mean one of the things is obviously um it's pretty physical um job you've got to be able to presumably run after people or um, if we believe all those sort of police dramas you know got to be able to rush out and jump into a car and drive it off with the door hardly uh, closed in that sort of thing and certainly advanced driving courses that sort of stuff is is also part of it so um, are you sort of a fit person you know you go jogging 10 miles every morning before breakfast that sort of stuff we're not there just yet working up to it I feel like I've you know I've got a good maybe about nine months I think to sort out my fitness and all of that um, I'm working on that at the minute. Don't know about the, you know, 10-mile jog before breakfast. Don't know if I'll Obviously, get I was joking. But, <laughs> but I, I mean, I presume that there probably is some sort of document which is telling you the sort of things they're looking for. Um, yeah. And obviously, graduates means you've got to get a degree, which I guess you've got to make sure you pass your yeah. degree, which I'm sure you will, of course. Um, but I mean, there's a lot more to it than that. And I think it's it's the mental things where it's long hours, it shifts as well, that sort of stuff it all comes into it. Yeah. Um, I have known, I know a number of people who worked in the police or are police and uh, or have been police officers and um, it is pretty disruptive because obviously something a big case comes up you basically have to cancel your weekend and all your social life for a few days or weeks to deal with it and that's the sort of thing and I guess London's probably everything times 10 isn't it yeah I can imagine it would be definitely I've been watching a lot of um programs on the police they've got quite a few on various different channels and it really puts into perspective how much of your life actually goes into it so it's not like a nine to five this is sort of like a job you're going to take home and you're going to be dealing with it at all times it's what we call a vocation rather than a job i I don't know if we really use that word anymore it means something um if you have a particular you know sometimes as a child you suddenly say i want to be a doctor or i want to be a lawyer or something like this and you follow it through i mean typically it's when your parents obviously have that same profession Um, but i mean it's one of those things it's it's different it's not a nine-to-five job and it never will be and i think if anyone tries to sort of join the police on the basis oh no i want to go home at five o'clock you'll be rather disappointed that's very true yes yes okay well that's interesting and i think um you know good luck to you on that it sounds uh, quite exciting but daunting and I'm probably thinking a bit negative about some of the aspects of this which perhaps we will talk about a bit later okay Radio Verulam 92.6 FM okay and you're listening to the Generation Gap show here with me Clive and this week with Gabby hello hello (laughs) yes okay so we've been talking about um, you wanting to join the Metropolitan Police which is an interesting um, idea I think and certainly daunting in some ways we just um actually while that was playing we we're just having a quick discussion about some of the sort of negative vibes i think i would get from that obviously um in terms it's a pretty dangerous thing to get into it's probably more dangerous now than it was in the past although maybe that's it's not necessarily more dangerous but we know about it now because every day we see all these things on television news and so on about the police and obviously the big thing in london has been all these stabbings which has been absolutely diabolical over the last two or three years um, so, I mean, if you're a police officer working in London, you're going to be basically involved in that kind of stuff, which is probably very scary, not just for you, but anybody. Yeah, definitely is. I thought about it a lot and I think it's something I'm willing to put, to say my life on the line for, um, because I've had experiences of knife crime quite close to me. And if I could stop one or two, that you know that's enough for me if I can make a small difference 
then that's enough. I know loads of people want to make a difference and, you know, people want to change the world and do all these things. But if I can just save someone's loved one, even if it's one person, that, to me, I know, you know, I've done good. And that's the main reason I want to be involved with all of that. So was it your experience of something like this happening near you that actually sort of triggered this idea that you wanted to perhaps get involved and by being a police person yeah definitely it was yeah. okay that's interesting right um so i mean it's very daunting i mean obviously as you go along through training there's various um trigger points i guess where they say well this means you could do it or you can't do it so you'd have to also expect maybe a bit of disappointment you might be doing some training for a year or so and at some point they suddenly say oh no Sorry, you haven't met your requirement here. Um, and one of the things, I'm sorry, this is a personal thing I'm going to have to say to you. You are quite small. Yes, very small. Um, now, the police used to have a minimum height, and I'm pretty <laughs> sure you don't meet that one, so maybe they don't do it anymore. Yeah, I'm not sure, because I don't, I don't know if that would go under any discrimination laws. It could be now. Yeah. It could be, but I mean, there was, there was a reason for it or a justification, I suppose, in the sense, obviously, height. And that's why yeah. the police used to wear those sort of tall hats as well, because it made them look bigger yeah. and so on. I mean, that was probably part of it, a sort of psychological thing. Um, I guess that probably you're right, that it would be discriminatory now to say that. But, you know, it can't be discriminatory to put you through a whole bunch of um, training things. And you, yeah. if you don't succeed in some of those... You know, that is something which has been done for, um, you know, good reasons. Yeah. And I say particularly like fitness is obviously one of those things and quick thinking and all that sort of stuff, presumably somehow are, are measured and counted. I don't know how they do that. Yeah. No, I think it's something, you know, you're signing up for it. So you've got to be aware that it might not be for you. And even if you're in denial of it, you know, the people that are um, examining you and taking you through these... They know what they need and they know what they need you to meet. And if you can't meet those, unfortunately, you can't. I do worry about it because I'm very emotional. So I do wonder whether that will um, sort of get in the way of me. I, I would think that when you apply, there'll be an initial interview. And so these sort of things will be things that they'll discuss as yeah. well. Um, I have to tell you, because you just triggered <laughs> a, a silly memory on my cart. It, it, in a job I did in the past, and I'm not going to go into the, all the explanation, but basically yeah. I had to help design a training program for Britain's first astronaut. Oh, wow. Um, I was working with a, a, a medical person who was a sort of uh, Air Force person and so on, and we had to literally, um, there was an advert, you know, apply to be an astronaut. Yeah. And um, I think there were about 800 people applied, and we had to go through all these sort of processes to whittle them down to literally one person. Oh, my God. Um, and I, I wasn't involved, actually, in that sort of whittling down thing, but it was the initial stuff. We said, well, what do we make them do? And, of course, we had to invent all sorts of fitness things, but for astronauts we had to throw them around in a centrifuge and all sorts of things like that. We won't do that for the police, I'm no. sure. Uh, but it was, it, it was something. I mean, we spent some weeks, obviously, going through this, and, well, there's this test the RAF does. Is that relevant? There's this thing that the police do and fire services and all sorts of people do. Yeah. And so I do remember that actually being quite an interesting thing, which is why I've picked up on what you're you're saying. So here on the Generation Gap show this week, um, I have a, a guest millennial who is uh, Gabby. And we're talking about um, basically she's at the university doing um, journalism, which is why she's here, really. Um, but also she has aspirations to become a policewoman. Is that the correct term now? Is it a police officer? Yeah. Police officer. Police officer. OK, yes. I'm not allowed to do that. <laughs> OK. Um, and obviously, I don't know how long the actual training is, but I mean, I think you said two years, but I think it's probably more than that. That's sort of, You're on sort of probation yeah. then, are you? You do the PTSO thing for a couple of years. Yeah, that's two years. And then I think you can either carry on and continue being a PTSO 
or you can go into different sort of training programs to become detectives or you know join the special units which is something I'd like to do. I mean there's so many TV series about sort of detectives including lots of women detectives that's very much a theme of many of them yeah. and I watch quite a few of the ones which are sort of foreign ones you know Swedish and Danish and all those things as well um, and it's always pretty gory. Yeah very much so. I don't think I've seen any I don't watch that many sort of fiction shows about detectives and so forth I watch mainly the documentaries that they've got on the telly of what's really going on so that's what I'm more interested yeah, in. Yeah I mean some of them obviously are a bit sort of glamorous the, the sort of CSI type ones yeah. where they just stick everything in a computer and the answer comes out and uh, that sort of stuff but then um, the the gritty ones I mean the grittiest one I think is probably um, I can recommend to you is um, Spiral which is a French one oh. in Paris and it's very gritty and it looks very realistic Yeah. and basically if you get arrested by French police people they just basically put push up against the wall and thump you until you tell them what they want to know. Or at least that's what it would seem from the, the series like that. Yeah. I suspect it's probably not totally unrealistic, very different uh, attitudes on policing. No, I, I, I think it's probably quite accurate. I don't think they'd like to admit that, hmm. but I do think it's probably quite accurate. Because I think that's the key, isn't it? Our police is, they call it policing by consent, meaning that the general public... Um, recognise that the police are doing a job and they, they do a good job for us and they're keeping us safe. Yeah. But in other countries, and particularly some European countries, the police really regard themselves as being keeping order yes. and they want to control people. And it's a different attitude. It's, it doesn't end up being very different, but you know, it's one of those things where if you see police in action in some other countries, they basically seem a bit more like militaristic. They want to corral you and yeah. tell you to go over there and give you instructions get out of the way go over there do this and it doesn't really happen so much in our country i think although maybe i'm just reflecting a sort of old-fashioned view because obviously um i think when i was your age i had much more respect for uh authority i mean it's not just me but people re- looked up to a police officer a teacher a vicar um, yeah. what else uh, a doctor you know you kind of accepted they were experts and what they said was correct and you just believe it and there wouldn't be any question of questioning them yeah i think that's definitely changed um i think like you said in other european countries the police sort of install a bit of fear and you're fearful of them because a lot of them are armed whereas over here it's not quite the same i think people don't particularly feel afraid of them and also like you said about respect i think because of the internet People can now research and read about any profession, you know, anything. So anyone can have a bit more information than they used to before. So a lot of people don't believe doctors particularly, or they don't take the advice that doctors have said because they can Google it, see an alternative and think, well, I may as well just follow that because it seems like a better route. So I think people are better informed. I don't, well, information is more accessible. I don't know if they're better informed they just have a lot of information to choose from mm. rather than what they did before. I think that's right. And also, I mean, frankly, there's been lots of scandals associated with all professions over the last few years, which, I mean, again, it's more the media um, bringing yeah. these things out now. We, these things probably happened in the past, but we didn't know about them then. And nowadays they're splashed across your newspapers or main news stories on television or whatever. So I suppose that's the difference. Hmm. I mean, it's an interesting thing to be getting into, and I, I certainly wish you all the best with that. But I think it's uh, it's quite daunting, isn't it? Very much so. Have Very. I made, made it more daunting for you by mentioning these things? <laughs> I think not. At the minute, I'm still quite excited about it all. 
and it seems like an exciting new thing to get into but I think once I start the training I will sort of realise how difficult and daunting it actually is. I think until I'm not in it, I won't know fully what I'm getting myself into. I'd like to believe that the people who do the training and the initial training are very much aware of this because obviously you, you're not going to be a yeah. unique situation here. Yeah, that's true. And they're going to probably scare you like mad saying, you know, <laughs> all these things. And, you know, yeah. quite rightly probably to say, that's do true. you realise this will happen? Yeah. You, you, you sort of basically lose your social life because you've just suddenly got to work seven days a week and in London it's not just that it's things like the demonstrations you know the recent demonstrations yeah. of the environmentalists they cancelled all police leave for weeks on end and it was seven days a week going in to sort of deal with the yeah. demonstrations and that was peaceful demonstration it wasn't That's anything sort true. of like going on in Paris at the moment which are not yeah. very peaceful <laughs> yeah okay well uh, I think we'll perhaps leave that there we'll talk about something else so we talked about the uh, all the things about policing and so on and uh, so good luck with that so um you're at the university and now you're here we've got uh, I think seven um of your contemporaries if that's yeah. the right phrase um doing work experience at the station over the next few weeks and um so I've met all of them now and uh, they're all very enthusiastic and you're you're one of those being very enthusiastic as well <laughs> so um do you think this is something which um you know you are sort of interested in as well I mean you could be a police person talking on the radio. Yeah, so since coming into the radio station, it has made me think of potential backups. I like the idea of radio. I don't think I would have thought about it before I'd come into the station. But I kind of, I like the atmosphere. I like how everything's put together. I like the idea of talking in front of a microphone, but not being in front of loads of people. That's quite nice. Okay, so that's right. Well, that's a good one. This is quite quick turnaround on this. I mean, it is one of those things that's not, not something people are very familiar with. And actually, young people don't listen to the radio very much these days because they've got things like Spotify and YouTube. And you like music, and so you just listen to your own music. And obviously, on something like Spotify, you can basically choose your own playlist and don't have to listen to anybody else's choice. Yeah. Um, I think that's one of the issues. And I know I was at a conference the other day with um, some of the big radio broadcasters as well as us little ones. And uh, they were very worried about this because pe young people under 25 don't listen to the radio anymore. No, it's not very common. I think a few of us maybe listen to it in our cars if we have older cars. But because nowadays of Apple Pair... Oh, pardon me. Apple Play and things like that in the car, you can just listen to your own playlist and you don't have to deal with like the adverts and that kind of stuff. So I know sometimes that, you know, I struggle to stay on a radio station when there is adverts because I just want to listen to constant music when I'm driving. And at home, with all the streaming services, there isn't much you know, room for radio, I think, which is quite sad. Yeah, well, of course, the, the whole point about a station like this is we're the local community station in, in and around St Albans. Yeah. And we don't just play music. We do play music, <laughs> of course we do. But we do other things, and I think that's the what we're trying to get across. We do programmes which are different and interesting, and we hope they're interesting. I'm sure this is a very interesting <laughs> programme. Um, and sort of specialist music, so you might, if you like things like traditional jazz, we have a programme playing that. Not many radio stations play traditional jazz at all. There's probably one that plays modern jazz. I know that one. It's called Jazz FM. Let's admit it. <laughs> um, but um, that's the sort of thing. So you, you find things. And I think the, the what's um, disappointing to me, because I obviously grew up listening to radio all kinds, is that some radio stations you can sort of jump into and listen to something and suddenly find something really interesting you had no idea about before and you actually learn something. You know, it might be a nature programme or a food programme or a news program of some kind and so that's what you're missing by just basically deciding in advance 
you're just going to listen to music and it's the music you like and yeah. not the music you don't like or the music you never heard of, um, then, you know, you're missing out on something because you're sort of, I think the word's curating your own sort of listening habit completely. Yeah. And so you're, you're playing in a sort of safe space, really, isn't it, where you're not doing... Um, suddenly you think, oh, you haven't heard this new song. Well, that's great. Why, why didn't I hear that before? Well, because it wasn't on your playlist. That's right. Hmm. And I also think that a lot of these programmes and other shows that are put out on the radio, a lot of people don't know about them. They're not, I don't feel like they're very widely advertised. I've never seen a programme on the radio being advertised, so I wouldn't know to tune in. I see as the radio as listening to music and maybe like listening to the news as well and sports. I wouldn't think of other programmes. Like I think you said the other day, some radio stations do like short dramas. Yes. Never would have thought about that. I do long dramas too sometimes, you know, they've done yeah. the Lord of the Rings or something like that. Um, yes, I mean, I think if you get a sort of programme guide, I mean, particularly the newspaper ones, rather yeah. than perhaps the, one, the ones that are sold in like magazines, they do generally have radio listings, but again, it's fairly minimal. You'd have to sort of know, yeah. you see the title of a programme, you wouldn't necessarily know what it's about, and maybe you wouldn't even bother looking. That's yeah, that's very true. I mean, there is a, there is another radio station which is a national station called BBC Radio Four. Now I think most people under fifty never listen to it at all, which they're missing out completely because it is exactly that. It's all lots of little documentaries and stories and so on. And if you were to continue as a journalist and do radio, that's yeah. the kind of stuff you'd want to do, and that would be the kind of place that you might put programs like that together. Yeah. Um, and it's really interesting because you can do other things when you're listening to the radio. That's the point. That's very true. And it also makes us use our imagination more because you've got to imagine whatever's been said out to you. You've got to make it up in your head to sort of figure out what you're seeing. And I think that's quite good. But I don't know if my generation's very good at doing that. Well, I mean, obviously, I think you probably listen to audiobooks, for example, and that's just someone reading out the yeah. story, which is fine. But a radio drama, a play, obviously has all these sound effects and all the other things added in as well. Yeah. And it is literally like watching a play or a film, but obviously we're not actually watching it. Yeah. Perhaps being in the cinema with your eyes closed would be the nearest <laughs> thing to it. I don't know. Um, yeah, it's interesting. I don't know. I don't know how that sort of thing gets publicised, but I suppose an introduction to a local radio station like this might make you think about that and yes. find it. Because the other thing, that, of course, we're doing lots of as well is podcasts, and they cover a whole range of stuff. And most of those are actually spoken. Yeah. No, podcasts are a very big thing at the minute. We've got 850 last time I looked, <laughs> so there's plenty of things to choose from. I know you did listen to a couple yeah. before, before you came here, but so that's it. And the, um, now, uh, we're talking about the university to some extent. Um, do you have much sort of involvement with other students from other sort of um, studying other things? I'm never quite sure whether you, you all end up sort of sitting together with all people doing the same courses as yourself. Yeah, so some of my modules involve people from other courses. And because I do a joint honours, I do in sort of get to speak to and sit in lectures with different people that are doing different courses so when I do my creative writing I don't think there's another person that does journalism alongside it most of the other people do sort of like philosophy and that kind of thing they do English literature so we get to all sort of mix together um, amongst the modules Creative writing, that seems like something that does go quite well with journalism to me. Um, I mean, obviously, um, a lot of stories are creative in newspapers these days. Um, but, I'm, I mean, also, I think it does sound to me like something that should be able to, if you're writing for a, a newspaper or whatever, or you're writing a book, why not write yeah. a book? Um, but, you know, creative 
creativity is the thing you need in that because um, you've got to be able to express it in ways that grab the reader. That's right, yeah. I'm working on that still. Third year, but I'm still working on the creative side of things. See, see again, that's a straight away it says to me radio. You see, creative writing for radio is brilliant. Yeah. Because you know you can do all sorts of things like that, and how you present, even if it's a sort of boring subject, as it were, you 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 um presenting it on radio. Supposing you're doing a, a talk about nature things, you know, identifying different trees. Let's say. Yeah. Hey, on radio, you can go out and record record it in a forest. That's true. There's a lot you can do with it, isn't it? Yeah, and the thing about radio in terms of that is it's, you don't have to hump around loads of equipment like cameras and things. You just have a, a little sort of handheld device you can record things on it. That's true. Yeah, we don't do enough of that, actually. We do, we do it quite often for outside events like coming up soon. We've run out of time now. I think we have to say goodbye, Gabby. So um, goodbye, Gabby. Thank you very much for coming to the show. I hope you enjoyed it. I did. I very much liked it and thank you very much for having me that's okay well maybe we'll do it again let's see in the future thank you very much bye bye thank you for listening to this podcast from the generation gap show here on radio verulam 92.6 fm i hope you enjoyed it and i hope you'll listen again to the show you can subscribe from itunes google play and of course from radio verulam's own website radioverulam.com